Hello and welcome to Amanda's Wellbeing Podcast, a podcast where we discuss all things relating to your well-being, including interviews with experts in the fields of nutrition, physical and mental health, and my five-minute food facts series. I'm Amanda Hayes, your host, a nutritionist with a passion for well-being. Before I introduce today's guest, I will take a moment to let you know that you can subscribe to my podcast on YouTube, hit the red subscribe button, or on your favorite podcast app, including iTunes, Stitcher, Spreaker, Spotify, or Google Podcasts. I'll also mention that although I will often be speaking with experts, any information or advice provided on Amanda's Wellbeing Podcast is not intended to be used to treat, cure, or prevent injuries, disease, or medical conditions. And it's not a substitute for advice from your own health professionals. Today, I am here with Sarah Lee. Sarah has done many things in her life, but what we are going to talk about today is her experience of breast cancer and how she behaved and how it changed her life once she had been diagnosed. Before Sarah and I begin our chat, I'll just give you some pertinent facts about breast cancer just to set the scene. So according to the Cancer Council website, apart from non-melanoma skin cancer, Breast cancer is the most common cancer found in Australian women. It represents 28% of all cancers diagnosed in women. About 17,000 women are diagnosed with breast cancer each year, and one in eight will be diagnosed by the age of 85. Although breast cancer can occur at any age, it is more common in women over 40. And once you get to my age, which is 49, you cannot be unaffected by it. I, I can think off the top of my head of at least four friends who have been diagnosed with breast cancer. I think it is important to keep conversations about breast cancer in the public realm because if nothing else, it might help those who are going through it just to know that they're not alone. And for any of you that kindly listen to and subscribe to my podcast, you will know that of the relatively small circle of guests that I've interviewed to date, Sarah is the second woman, along with Mel Stefano, who has lived through breast cancer. Hi, Sarah. Welcome to Amanda's Wellbeing Podcast. Thanks for inviting me. It's lovely to have you here. So can you tell um, the listeners a little bit about yourself so we can get to know you? So tell us a bit about your career in travel. Um, yes, yeah, so my career in travel um, started in 2012 when my dad passed away. Um, so I've been lucky enough to travel all my life mm -hmm. um, with my parents and then, you know, with my own family. Um, but when my dad passed away in 2012, he left my mum with sort of no travel options. Um, so I decided to create this business where I'd take ladies um, of all ages. It was, mm -hmm. It's open to all ages. Um, but people who don't like, women who don't like to travel on their own. Mm. And take them to Europe um, with the idea of them seeing my favourite places. Fantastic. Um, so I go to Paris and Provence, uh, which are my two favourite <laughs> yeah. places on the earth. <laughs> um, and, yeah, so we we do that once or twice a year. Excellent. Um, are yeah. you still – well, you can't do it right now, yeah, but no. are you still running those trips when – Hopefully when all everything opens up again. Yes, yes, yeah. we plan to. So we did have two trips this year planned um, that are now, yeah, having sadly to be yeah, cancelled. Um, but hoping that they'll go ahead next year. 
Um, and so, yes, we'll see. The intention is to continue Excellent. showing France to the rest of Oh, wonderful. Yeah. Are you still learning French? I know you were doing that for a while. Yes, I have stopped this year because I have been working elsewhere. Yes. Um, so time has not permitted me. Mm. Um, but... Yes, refresher courses needed before I go to France next time. <laughs> I guess once you've got the basics there, though, you can practice it, can't you, when, when you go? Absolutely, yeah. yeah. Hmm. So as I mentioned in my introduction, Sarah was diagnosed with breast cancer. And I think it's a really good idea for us to have conversations about cancer in the public sphere because it can help build awareness and it also may help women who are going through it to know that they're not alone. So, Sarah, if you're happy to share with us can you tell us what type of cancer were you diagnosed with? Yeah, so I was diagnosed with estrogen receptive positive mm-hmm. um, HER2 negative breast cancer in April 2017. Okay, so leading up to the diagnosis, did you have a sense that something was not right? That- uh, not really. Um, yeah, I, I wouldn't say no. I wouldn't say I did, mm. no. Okay, no. it just shows how um, I think women have to be so aware and careful because um, a lot of people who are diagnosed really have no symptoms do they exactly yeah Yeah. Um, do you have a family history of breast cancer um so yes my mum and my nana um, have both had breast cancer Mm -hmm. um and both of them i guess at fairly young ages so um my mum was 52 Mm -hmm. uh, my nana was 48 right um, that is young Mm. yeah and i was 41 so um, but I have been tested for the BRCA gene and I don't have it. Right. So, yeah. And so how did you feel when you were diagnosed? Um, devastated. Yeah. Terrified. Yeah. Um, I think the first thoughts that went through my head were those of my children. Yes. Um, the fear of the impact of mm. it on them. Um, so at the time, you know, they were teenagers and, and it was like, you know, how, how is it going to affect them? And then all those thoughts of, am I going to be around to see their special events? Oh, that's so heartbreaking, um, isn't it? To be yeah, confronted with thoughts like that. It is. So, you know, first of all, it was, and what am I going to miss out on? Um, but then it really quickly turned around to what are they going to miss out on? You know, thinking of not having, um, not being at their weddings mm. and how would that impact them? Um, and oh, that's giving me goosebumps, yeah. Sarah. <laughs> giving me goosebumps too now. Mm. So, yeah, uh, but that I guess they were they were the thoughts that went through my head was, you know, how how will they cope? Yes. What treatment did you have to go through? Yeah, so I was diagnosed um, on. So um, I had a bio. Well, I had uh, the mammogram on a Friday. Uh, the following Tuesday, I was told that I had breast cancer. I saw my um, breast specialist on the Wednesday, an oncologist on the Thursday. And the following Thursday, I started treatment. So wow. it was an absolute whirlwind. Uh, I So I started with 12 rounds of um, Paxitaxel mm-hmm. um, chemo. And then I had, so they were weekly. And then I had um, four lots of three weekly um, of that what they call the red devil. Okay, uh, that which sounds is, <laughs> ominous. <laughs> yeah, it's a pretty brutal uh, regime. So I had um, uh, four rounds of that. Um, with three week breaks in between, mm-hmm. um, so then I went and had mastectomy at mm-hmm. the end of the six months, um, and then followed by twenty five treatments of radiation. Wow, gosh! So how long did that take? All uh, up? so all up, it was about nine months. Nine months. Yeah. And um, was that very disruptive to your family's life? 
I was really lucky at the time that I wasn't working. Mm -hmm. So it didn't disrupt our lives too much um, in that regard. Um, My husband took time off work um, to come to the treatments with me. Um, And then towards the end, I had um, friends come. Okay. Um, and support me as well, just okay. so that he could sort of go back to work. And, sure. And so, plus, I found I had more fun with my friends. <laughs> I laughed a bit more Don't with my friends. Don't listen to this, Pat. So, yeah, that's it. <laughs> well, that's sort of my next question. So, who was your support crew? But your husband, your friends? Yeah, so I did. I, I had a one. I've got a wonderful, wonderful husband who supported me so much through it. Yeah, um, he's amazing. I know him. He is incredible. Yeah, and every time I wanted to do something different and crazy, he was like, "Okay, then. All right, we'll do that." Um, and and so, and the kids as well, I have to say, my mum and the kids, and we had a rule that if um, if we wanted to show emotion in our house, it had to be in public. Uh, we weren't allowed to go in our rooms and cry. We had oh, to cry right. in public um, because then we knew we weren't alone. Yeah. Um, oh, that's so. wonderful. I've Yeah, I'd never thought about those kind of things. Yeah, yeah. so one of the breast care nurses actually told me that. Um, mm. They said, look, you know, make sure that we show our emotion to our children so that they know it's okay for them to yeah. show emotion back. Yeah. Um, so we did, we had that policy. We sat down with them right from the beginning and, and had that policy with them and said, you know, if you want to cry, you have to cry here yep. and not in your room. So I think that worked really well. We yes. were very open and honest with them. And they were at the right age to be able to do that, weren't they? As they in, were, as yeah. teenagers, yeah, it might absolutely. be harder with very young children. But Yeah. Mm. Yeah, so then I had, you know, amazing friends mm. um, and an amazing PT um, in Eliza. Oh, Eliza, yeah. yeah. Um, and then I just had an amazing medical support team as mm. well. So, you know, they were brilliant and I was really happy to just put my life completely in their care mm-hmm. um so yeah that was I had a I was lucky I had a yeah. really really good support team I think we're in Australia we're very lucky with the care that we receive here aren't we we are mm-hmm. yeah absolutely and uh, one thing that I know that came out of your experience with cancer is that you I'm not sure whether you already were running or whether you took up running. Is that did you take it I up? I took or you, up running. You took it up. Yes. Yeah. So I took up running. I like so in my younger days in high school, I was a runner, but I was a short distance runner, um, never anything long distance. Um, and then probably five years before my diagnosis, I taught myself to run five k through the Couch to Five K. Oh, cool. Mm. But I hadn't run for about three years, and so yeah, my oncologist tells me that he said walking around the block is not enough okay. in my head I heard try to walk around the block and that to me was just an invitation to go seriously is that how bad <laughs> this is going to be <laughs> um so then I set myself a challenge and I walked Mount Lofty the first week which is for people that don't know that is actually a very steep walk it is uh, and a 5k up and a 5k back um and I went into my oncologist the next week and I, he said, so what exercise have you done? And I said, well, I walked about lofty and he's gone, okay, <laughs> keep doing that. So I did that every week throughout my whole nine months of treatment. I did that every week, whether wow. it rained, whether it was sunny, whether I felt really sick. I just did that every single week. Do you think having that consistent pattern was helpful? It you? was, it was yeah. a drive. And, and even if I felt really bad, I'd get to Thursday or Friday and I'd go, I have to do this. Mm. I have to go up because I can't miss a week. Wow. I can't go into treatment next week and tell him I didn't do it. And because he would ask me every week because he knew I was really competitive and he would ask me every week my time. Oh, wow. um, So that 
he knew whether I was improving or not in my times. <laughs> and I actually, by the end of the nine months, I walked it faster than when I started. Oh, that's um, incredible. Yeah. Mm. So then four weeks in, I said to my husband on a Wednesday night, I had treatment Thursday, and I said to him, I can't sit in the car. I said, I just, it, it's so demoralizing just sitting in that car and going to treatment. I'm going to run. And Pat looked at me as if to say, okay. Another crazy idea. (laughs) That's it. All right, then. He goes, well, you'll have your phone on you. If you need to, like, be pulled out at any time, you know, just call me. And I said, nope, I'm running. So I ran ran a very slow run, um, but I did run into chemo, which was 5K. Wow. Um, And so when I got there and I was all, like, hot and sweaty and in my gym gear and my oncologist says to me, so what have you done this morning? And I said, well, I ran. I ran into chemo. And he goes, okay, keep doing that. (laughs) You're probably the first person I've ever seen who's done that. Yeah. Yeah. So so why I chose running, I have no idea to this day why I chose running. But it, yeah, I did it every week. The the, um, nurses challenged me to... Uh, run the city to bay wow um so which was the week before my final treatment Mm -hmm. and so i said to him right okay i'll do that so that was your goal that was my goal yeah Yeah, and i did it i did it a week after i had influenza a oh my goodness and the week before my final treatment and i ran it wow so So you obviously developed a love for running because you've just kept going haven't you yes the whole time yes absolutely and do you think that that helped you get through your treatment oh absolutely so in in the first few weeks I'd come home from chemo and I'd lay on the lounge I'd fall asleep I'd feel average Mm. Um, but as soon as I started running I found that while I was sitting having chemo I'd go right where are we going for lunch I need to go out for lunch after this and so just that increased energy yeah Um, so it sounds like it had probably both a physical and a mental impact on you yeah so definitely mental as well we've just heard that you ran the city to bay but i also know sarah that you've run well certainly at least one marathon yeah run two you've run two have (laughs) you run two so why did you what made you decide to do something that is you know it's a lot harder than running the city to bay which is 12 k's what? Yeah, so I have to thank Sarah for this one. This is um, Sarah, Sarah Robbins. Robbins. Yeah. Um, I sat down after doing the City to Bay and had a coffee with her and I said to her, I, I need something else to drive me. And she looked at me and she said, well, run a half marathon then. And I said, yeah, I can't do a half marathon. And I went home and I thought about it and I rang her the next day and said, yeah, I'm going to do a half marathon. <laughs> you, you've talked me into it. And so I took 11 months to train for the half marathon and I did the Barossa. Oh, that's a, I've done that. It's a beautiful one, it? is isn't a it? beautiful one, mm-hmm. yeah, although it was a very cold, windy day when okay. I did it. So it was not the, – the scenery – I don't remember much of the scenery. Yeah. So, um, And then after that, I was uh, decided to start planning um, my husband and my 20th wedding anniversary and he'd promised me we'd go to Paris. And I just happened to – something came up on my Facebook about the Paris Marathon. And so I was like, ooh. Oh, when's that? I had a look and it was 10 days after our wedding anniversary. Perfect. So we were sitting in bed and I leant over to him and I've gone, we're going to run the Paris Marathon. And he goes, okay. <laughs> does he like running? Well, he does now. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. So that was where it started. I, at that point, I had no idea how hard a marathon was to run. But yeah, it, it was- 
It, I think the idea of it, there's something very alluring about there running is. a marathon, but the actual nitty gritty of it, it is actually pretty hard and it there's a lot hard. of training involved, isn't there? There is, yeah. Mm. So we trained all through a hot Australian summer. Uh, we'd get up on Sunday mornings at 5am to oh, be wow. out running for three hours so that we could beat the heat. Yes. Some some days it just got too hot and I'd ring him and say, nah, I'm starting to feel dizzy. I need to stop. Yeah, it's probably a good idea to stop yeah. if you're feeling dizzy. So when you actually ran the Paris Marathon, was that the first marathon you yeah, did? Yeah, that was my first. Was that, how was the experience? Was it harder or easier than you expected? It was a lot harder. Yeah. But I think having my first one in Paris. It's pretty good spot. Was pretty good spot yeah. to run it. Um, the distraction of the site. So mm-hmm. we, we knew the route off by heart um, as to where we had to run. And so there were these little milestones that we got to. And so, you know, we sort of got to the 10K mark and that was in the um, the forest and so it got cold. So it, it, the day started out, it was only three degrees when we started oh, right. running. Um, it was about 10 degrees when, we, when I finished. Um, and then, you know, so that 25K mark, we knew that we would come be, be coming back through past the Notre Dame, the Eiffel Tower. Um, and then the week before, we had actually run the last 12Ks. Okay, great. Um, which gave, in my head gave me this belief that I could finish the race because I'd run the last yeah, 12Ks. Yeah, you, you knew. So I knew. Um it just didn't count on the 30K beforehand. Yeah, but yeah. <laughs> mm. uh, but it, it was amazing. Like just the crowd along like along the way. Yeah. Um, all these kids calling out, you know, LA, 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 which is, you know, go, go, go. Go, 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 yeah. Um, and, you know, you knew they weren't cheering you on. They were waiting for their, you know, family member to come past. But it just lifted your spirits. Yeah. Um, And then seeing the Eiffel Tower and sort of going, I've made it this far. I can finish now. Does it finish at the Eiffel Tower? No, it doesn't. So the Eiffel Tower is at about the 28K mark. Okay. But it was that belief that, okay, well, I've come this far. You're over halfway. Even if I have to walk the last bit, you know, I'm going to finish. Um, And then you end up in the forest on the other side of the city. Oh, wow. Um, And the week before we'd past the Louis Vuitton building, which I don't know if you've ever seen. Oh, yes, I know. I know it, yeah. It's a beautiful building. It's incredible. Well, I ran past that at the marathon and after I'd gone past it, I'm like, oh, I don't remember seeing the building, but I've gone past it. So, all right then. So, you know, this amazing, beautiful building and and I was so zoned, never even saw it. Yeah. Um, So, yeah, and the last last kilometre, it was kind of, I felt like I was sprinting. Wow. I certainly wasn't, but I felt like oh, I was that's sprinting. That's so amazing. Um, so yeah, and I, but I have to say the second one was harder. Which which one did so you I did do? So did Melbourne, right? But yeah. I was injured, so that's kind oh. of my excuse for it being harder was that I was a bit injured. Was it mentally harder, or just physically, or both? It was both. Yeah. Um, I think knowing I was injured made it physically harder. The need to beat my time made it mentally harder maybe that's why i've only done one (laughs) (laughs) but i'm going back for number three and four so it mustn't be too bad so where are the next two well adelaide was planned but has been rescheduled and then i have venice planned oh wow um in october so fingers crossed fingers crossed the world is back to normal yeah and i can go and run venice um adelaide will probably be a half marathon in the lead up to venice so yeah, we're we wait and see. Melbourne's always a backup if if we need it. I'll yes. go and tackle Melbourne again. 
Well, yeah, at least you know what you're getting in into if you do that. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So when you finished the Paris Marathon, your first one, how did you feel? Oh, wow. Um, I crossed the line in tears. Yeah. And I could see Pat because he ran it with me. Yes. Well, he ran the marathon at the same time as me. Um, he finished seven minutes before me, which like it, I was really proud of the fact that I he only beat me yeah, by seven minutes. Yeah, that's pretty close. Um. <laughs> But he was standing there waiting for me Aww. with his arms out. So, you know, I, yeah. Oh, I'm getting tears in my eyes <laughs> just imagining this. Um, just that, I was the, the pride in yeah. myself for yeah. doing something so tough um, that I never, ever thought I could do, let alone do it after cancer. Yes, amazing. Um, it, yeah, it, it's indescribable that, that feeling. It's, I mean, you know from finishing amazing I races. I think the thing is when you finish something like that, it's just the culmination of, you know, 12 months, sometimes more of training. Like it's this, it's a huge long road to get oh, there, isn't absolutely. it? Absolutely. And look, I, I felt that the one run I did two years prior to that, because it was pretty much two years to the date I was diagnosed that I ran. Um, so the one run that I ran two years beforehand, it changed my day, but running a marathon changed my life. Yeah, incredible. It gave me so much purpose and it changed my yeah. life. So Running is epic, guys. Absolutely. <laughs> I love it too. And anyone can do it. The amount That's, of people that tell me, oh, what? I couldn't do that. Yeah, that. So. in fact, that is, and I say this often, that is the thing I love. One of the things I love most about running is – it's so egalitarian. Oh, like yeah. You don't need a whole lot of gear. You no. basically need a decent pair of shoes and that's kind that's of it. That's pretty much it, yeah. And, so, and when you line up at the start of a running race, one thing I love is that you just get all different shapes and sizes yeah. and ages and it's just it appeals to so many people, doesn't it? Oh, it does. It, it mm. absolutely does. And, and you really can't judge. Like I, when I'm out running – whether they're young, whether they're old, whether they're, you know, sort of overweight, yeah. whatever. I always, in my head, I, I clap them and I congratulate them because I'm going, you know what, you got up today and you yeah, ran. Yeah, I agree. So I totally agree. Whatever speed or style of running, you just think, you know, you could be sitting on the couch, but no, you're out here you're running. Out here That's running. awesome. Yep. Mm. I know too, because I love Strava, that you have taken up swimming. Yes, <laughs> So I tell us about that. <laughs> Uh, yeah, so um, due to my excessive exercise while I was um, in recovery, <laughs> I managed to stretch a little bit too far after a um, PT session and I tore my scar tissue um, from my mastectomy Ouch. and so I developed a hematoma. Um, so with much negotiation around my running schedule and everything <laughs> else, <laughs> thanks to my beloved and very patient uh, breast surgeon, um, I had to have um, surgery done again. And so after the second surgery, so after the first surgery, she let me run three weeks after mm-hmm. surgery. After the second surgery, she wouldn't let me run for nine weeks. Oh, it's a and long time. And for any runner out there yeah. with an injury, you know, nine weeks is an eternity. Yes. So we negotiated on swimming. And she said to me, once it was safe, I could swim, but only backstroke and no moving my arms. So I zigzagged across the pool lane. <laughs> I hate backstroke. Yeah, so do I. So you can't see where you're going. No, that's it. <laughs> so I very much zigzagged across the across the lane. Um, 
And then once I was allowed to use my arms, um, I challenged myself to swimming 50 metres nonstop because to me, I'd never been a swimmer. Wow. So that was, you know. Did you have a decent swimming style, you think? Uh, I, I don't know if I yeah, do or not. Well. <laughs> I, I make it from one end to the other. Yeah. Um, and I do flippers. I, like I do cheat and I do use That's flippers. That's not cheating because that exercises different muscles. Yeah, I guess mm. so. Um, and so then... I challenged myself that I was going to be able to swim 1,500 metres. So now I swim 1,500 metres pretty much nonstop um, twice a week. That's very inspirational, Sarah. You Obviously, you're very determined, aren't you? You oh, put yes. your mind to something yes. and you get it done. Absolutely. Yeah, come yeah. hell or high water. Yes, that's <laughs> yeah. right. And I also know because um, our daughters were at primary school and now at secondary school together that you've you've also been a very keen cook. So has your experience with um, cancer and running and everything you're doing changed anything about the way that you eat? Absolutely. Yes. So I used to be a very unhealthy eater. Um, Sugar was a big part of my diet, um, as was meat. And so now I don't eat any sugar. I detoxed off sugar during chemo um, because thankfully chemo and sugar didn't really agree with me in, in a combination. Um, and neither did red meat, so I couldn't stand the smell of red meat yeah. during chemo. So I stopped eating red meat, um, and then it's been a gradual sort of process that I've cut out the chicken and fish, and so I'm now fully vegetarian. And you feel good? I feel amazing. You look great. You look so healthy. Thank you. Thanks. Yeah. yeah. Look, I feel amazing. I'd love to go vegan, um, but it's my... quite difficult. Isn't yeah, it? it is. I love cheese too much. Yeah. Um, yeah. And you and you go to France. You just have it. to eat Absolutely. cheese. Absolutely. <laughs> um, so I don't drink any alcohol, um, and I do have vegan free. Like I do have vegan days. Yeah. Uh, where I I try not to you know sort of eat any sort of dairy uh, yeah dairies which is my big yeah yeah um so i do have some i try to have uh, one or two vegan days a and week. what about your family has it impacted the way they eat as absolutely. well absolutely so mm. i've got you know an 18 year old son now who is pretty much vegetarian himself um in the beginning he used to say to me mum we need meat yeah where's the and meat where's the meat and i'd say okay so we we had a plan and He'd go to my mum's for a meat dinner. Um, Pat would take him out for dinner one night a week just to get that meat into him. Mm-hmm. And then we noticed that he'd go out for a burger and he'd choose chicken burger. Yeah. And we go, okay. <laughs> <laughs> so we noticed it was naturally sort of, you know, sort of waning. And now he does my menu plans every fortnight before I go grocery shopping. And I have to say that. In the last menu plan, there was probably one meal that had chicken. Oh, how interesting. Um, so he's adapted. And, and, he's, and, and he's made his own mind up. You haven't forced him. He definitely has. No, no. And I've never ever, I've always been very open with them mm. and said, you know, it's my choice to do this. Um, so if you want a meat option, you know, I'm happy to cook you meat. Yeah. Um, but the meals that I cook are like the fresh fruit and vegetables Yum. and the legumes and the grains and... They're so beautiful. Yeah, they're just you know to have an eighteen-year-old sit there and say, "Mum, this beetroot and pearl barley and you know Yum. feta cheese dinner was just beautiful." Is I think yeah shows that I'm doing the right thing. Yeah, you definitely are. Why do you think you didn't eat very healthily before? Like, was that just you weren't focused on it, or you yeah, weren't interested? I, guess I wasn't or... focused. Yeah. Um, yeah, you know, I, I thought I ate healthy. 
Yeah, I guess a lot of people think that, don't they? And until yeah. they really examine what, what yeah, they're putting in. Yeah, I, I really did. I thought I ate healthy. Um, after I'd sort of mastered the running and the exercise, I said to my oncologist, you know, what else can I do? And he said, well, you could lose a few kilos. And so I said, right. <laughs> Challenge accepted. Challenge accepted. <laughs> so I went home and I'm on the Google and, you know, found um, an amazing oncology dietitian um, in Julia Trigg. Oh, fantastic. And, um, and so I rang her and made an appointment with her and I went back to him the next week and I said, right, well, I've got an appointment with a dietitian. He goes, you don't have to lose that much weight. <laughs> and I said, no, I, I need to, I'm hopeless at losing weight. I need somebody to help me. Uh, so she she was amazing because she just talked to me about um, the different foods and yeah. how they interact in your body. And then, of course, I started doing Google research, yeah. finding out what was good for cancer, what was bad for cancer. You know, what, what every every stage of my cancer journey, I guess it was, what else can I do to help yeah. myself? Yeah. Um, and so I just found food was empowering because I could... I had control on it. Yeah, exactly. Like the running, I had control. Um, so now I see a sports dietitian, which I'm really proud that I've gone from an oncology yeah, to isn't a sports. That fantastic. Yeah, so I see Erin Colpatch. Yes. And, um, and she's amazing. And so she keeps me on the straight and narrow with all my exercise. Because that is a huge part of, especially long distance running, getting, yeah, getting, getting the nutrition the right. Yeah, yeah. 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 And the other thing that I know that you do, Sarah, is you fundraise. Yes, So you've I do. been very active in fundraising for breast cancer trials. Can you tell us a bit about what um, breast cancer trials or who they are and what they do? Sure. Um, so I think you probably said in your introduction, um, breast cancer is the most commonly diagnosed cancer in Australia. Um, so 53 people are diagnosed every year, every day. Every sorry, day. Every day. Um, and eight people die from the disease every day. So Breast Cancer Trials is a group of world-leading breast cancer doctors and researchers based in Australia and New Zealand mm -hmm. um, with a commitment to exploring and finding better treatments for people affected by breast cancer through their clinical trial research. Um, so they're on a mission for people affected by breast cancer to live better, live longer, and to never die from breast cancer. Oh, that's great. Mm. Yeah. So, um, so they they say they're grounded in and defined by one simple belief that they can and they will find new and better treatments for the pre and prevention strategies for every person affected by breast cancer, um, and they save lives today, tomorrow, and forever. I've watched a few um, of YouTube clips of the doctors who founded yeah. it. Yeah. It was really inspirational, actually. It is, yeah. Let's talk about your own fundraising efforts. So you are, at the moment, you're doing um, something called Sarah's Marathon Effort for Breast Cancer Trials. Yes, so, I am. So tell us about that. And All right. Well, um, so late last year, I decided that um, I, I raised close to $2,000 last year um, through very little effort uh, for breast cancer trials. So late last year, I thought, well, I can do better than this. Um, you know, I have my life under control. I'm healthy. Let's go. Let's go all in. Yeah. So I decided $42,195. <laughs> it's the distance of a marathon. Yeah. So why not? Um, so thanks to the bushfires and coronavirus, though, yeah. it is making my life very, very challenging at the moment where fundraising is concerned. It sure is. Um, Just for a quick example, Sarah had a movie night planned, yes, didn't you? Yes, I did, yes. Which probably would have raised quite a lot of money and that has obviously had to be cancelled. Yes, so I have. Um, but I have managed to get some amazing 
um, businesses mm-hmm. around the place. So I've got uh, GW Cox, my jeweler, Intercontin- Intercontinental Adelaide, Harvey Norman, City Cross, Julie Burnside and Westfield Tea Tree Plaza that have donated some prizes for a raffle. Uh, my aim is to sell 3,000 tickets. So we're at the moment sitting around the 1,000 ticket oh, mark. Oh, brilliant. That's pretty good. Yeah, so, yeah. Um, so it's been going about six weeks. We've got two more months okay. um, to sell th- another 2,000 tickets. I'll put a link to this in the show notes, everyone. Yeah. Uh, so I, this week, because of coronavirus, because of the fact that people are getting scared in handling money. Yeah, that's true. And also because people's um, jobs are closing down and, and moving to home-based business, uh, I have now set up a try booking site where you can buy the tickets oh, online. Okay, great. Um, yeah, so you can pop yeah, that link I'll in as well. Yeah, I'll put that link in. Yeah. Yeah, it is a challenging time, I think, for all charities at the That's moment. It. It's probably when they need money the most and it's yeah. the hardest. Yeah, to, and to... look, I, I thought about canning it and starting again next year and then I thought, you know what, cancer doesn't stop. Exactly. So why should I stop? You know, I, I need to keep going. I need to keep pushing. And, and also we need a distraction in our, in our lives. Yeah, exactly. How many conversations start with coronavirus? Oh, the news is just, I know. And I mean, hopefully in time, coronavirus will take up less of our headspace. Yeah. But as it. you say, cancer doesn't stop. No. Other other illnesses don't stop. Um, we can't put everything else aside just because of coronavirus. I know we all have to be very careful and follow all the guidelines but we can still help absolutely yeah. yeah and look so i do believe we need a distraction we need something good yes um and so that was my decision to keep going with it and to keep trying to yeah definitely to raise the funds i think it's the right decision yeah, yeah. we i'm hoping we have a ladies lunch planned in october so i'm hoping the world fingers crossed itself <laughs> yeah. by then um, but on, but I do also realise that that will require donations from businesses that will have struggled during this time. Um, so we're looking at the moment of, of how we can do it to yeah. actually embrace those businesses, give them some, you know, some publicity. Yes, and, that's a good idea. Stuff. So, yeah, so we're sort of thinking about, you know, what we can do yes. and watch this space. So. Yeah, I guess that's a good mindset, isn't it? Like, what what can we do? Yeah. instead of what can't we do. Yeah. yeah. I'd like to ask you, what advice would you give to people whose loved ones have been diagnosed with cancer? What, what are some ways that you can support someone who has um, who is going through cancer? Um, I think um, develop a plan, mm-hmm. stick to it, um, and never give up. Yeah. Perfect. So, yeah. And yeah. I think, you know, live a positive life, you know, have fun, laugh, slot, laugh lots. Yeah. You know, cry lots, but laugh lots as well. Yeah, so. I guess sort of embrace your emotions, really. Absolutely, just, yeah. Just from our talk, it's pretty obvious what your answer to this is going to be, but would you say that experiencing cancer has changed you? <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. Um, I'm actually a happier and healthier person today than what I was, you know, sort of three, four, five yeah. years ago. I, um, I look back on my old self and realise how angry I was with the world, you know, how I treated everything that was, it was unfair. You know, I had toxic friends, I had toxic family. Um, you know, I, I did everything for everybody else and never thought about myself. Yeah. Um, now I feel like I have a balanced life. Um, I live every day. Oh, that's wonderful. Just, I don't know, With I, I embrace every day. I love, 
I don't love waking up and having to go for a run in the dark, <laughs> but I do love seeing the sunrise. And also when you finish it and you've done it, that feeling. Oh, yeah. It's indescribable. You, you, all, you If you could bottle that. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. It is that I agree I think getting up and doing that run before you think about it too much and talk yourself out of it and then the whole day has this positive spin on it 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 absolutely does and and yeah you're right about bottling it bottling it it's that I reckon that a minute after you've finished the run if you could just bottle that that feeling yeah yeah well that's Sarah thank you so much for coming on and sharing your story I have to say it's so inspirational and you do. You look so healthy and happy and fit, and um, and so that leads me to my final question, which I like to ask all my guests: If you could recommend two things that all people could do to improve their well-being, what would they be? Um, so I'd say, firstly, surround yourself with people that are important to you, um, l- that love you, mm-hmm. um, and that you love them, and. Secondly, I would say believe in yourself and your inner strength. You are far stronger than you ever think you are. And you you do have that inner strength to be able to keep yourself going. Sarah, you are the embodiment of that. You are really inspirational and positive and you ex- exude a positive vibe. It's really lovely being around you. So thank you very much for coming on the show today. Oh, thank you. That was the brave and generous Sarah Lee whose experience with cancer, whilst devastating and difficult, has opened up a world of new possibilities for her. Personally, I found today's chat really moving, and I'm so impressed by Sarah's strong sense of purpose. I hope you enjoyed it too. So you can subscribe to my podcast, Amanda's Wellbeing Podcast, on YouTube. Hit the subscribe button, and while you're there, click on the bell to be alerted when new episodes are available. You can also subscribe on your favourite podcast app, including iTunes, Stitcher, Spreaker, Spotify or Google Podcasts. And you can follow the podcast on Twitter, Instagram and Facebook. Direct links to all social media can be found on the subscribe page of my website at www.amandaswellbeingpodcast.com. If you would like to contact me, you can send me a message via the contacts page on my website, please feel free to suggest topics you'd like to learn more about and people you'd like to hear interviewed and I'll do my best to deliver that to you. Producing the podcast is a labour of love. We put in a lot of time, money and effort behind the scenes. So if you enjoy Amanda's Wellbeing Podcast and would like to make a contribution via Patreon, PayPal or by Amazon to help ensure we continue to provide you with excellent content, please visit the Contribute page on my website. Finally, please take a minute to leave a rating on iTunes. It improves visibility and will help me source excellent guests. Thank you for tuning in. Eat well, move well, think well.